This morning, um, I received this message on Wednesday. No, Tuesday. I received this message on Tuesday. It was one of those messages that was kind of downloaded to me. Um, I was so excited, I wanted to preach it on Tuesday. So I got it all ready, and I have been sitting on it all week long. And uh, lo and behold, uh, you know how the devil is? Have you ever, any of you ever experienced anything from the devil? Well, my sewer stopped up this morning. It's like, really? Seriously? I just got a brand new sewer system. How could this possibly happen? And I thought, aha, I think I know. Because I think this message is going to turn our church in the direction we need to go, and you individually. So uh, I laughed at him a few times, and um, I uh, turned, rolled the care of it over on my son, Quentin, <laughs> who happened to be here. <laughs> Quentin and Tricia, my son and daughter-in-law, thank their blessing. And I just decided, you know what? The devil's going to get a black eye. Hallelujah. So, so we're going we're gonna to study some things this morning that the Lord put on my heart that I believe is going to be the vision for you, for me, for this church. So, but I am going to start where I've been starting in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Uh, if you'll put that up in the Message Bible. This has been life-changing for me, this, this scripture. Uh, so we're going to read it, and when we have milked everything out of it we can, we'll go into something else, but there's just so much. Are you tired? Oh, yes, we could be. Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Jesus said, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. This is what we have entitled this series, and this is number eight in this series. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So we've been talking about learning the unforced rhythms of grace. So we're going to continue that this morning. And so, Father, I thank you right now for your precious holy word. Lord, I thank you that your word is life, and we will receive it this morning. You'll open up our eyes. You'll open up our ears. You'll give us understanding. And Holy Spirit, I just ask you to give me utterance this morning. Utterance that will be simple and will cause your people to be able to see clearly what you're saying to them individually and to us as a church. So we thank you for that anointing this morning in Jesus' name. Now, we've been talking about the meaning of the word grace and the meaning that is the most important thing that you can learn when you're learning the unforced rhythms of grace 
is that it's the power of God working in you, enabling you to do what you can't do on your own. It's supernatural power. Then we studied about what that supernatural power is, and it's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and we found out it's the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So the Holy Spirit is the dispenser of grace to you and I in, in this age. And, and so um, we have learned that if you will learn that there is an unforced rhythm, something you don't have to force, but it comes easy, then your burden becomes light. And let me tell you, everyone has a burden in this life. I was raised in the Friends Church. I grew up in the Friends Church. Uh, it's sometimes called the Quaker Church. But uh, it was a good foundation. And uh, in our denomination, whenever someone had a leading from the Lord to do something, they called it a burden. Say, I have a burden to go to such and such place, or I have this burden to talk to a certain person. And so that's what they called a burden. And there is a burden, according to our scripture, that we will bear, but we will be yoked with God to bear that burden. We will be yoked with him, but I could say it's, it's a purpose that God has for you. It's an assignment that God has for you. And I, I just, um, I looked this up in the Margaret Mendenhall's translation. So this is the Margaret Mendenhall translation of this scripture. Quit being anxious and uptight about what you do for God. Trying to do the do's just right or struggling to don't the don'ts will wear you out. You do have a job to do, but it's your assignment. So don't get troubled when you see someone doing something great and think you are not doing enough. Just do what God has gifted you to do. And the Spirit of Grace, the Holy Spirit, will help you. He will come alongside you. He will lift the heavy end with his supernatural power. The task will then be easy and fulfilling. Success will be the natural outcome. And you will do your part in building God's kingdom. And you know what? That is what's happening in the body of Christ today. God is building his kingdom. You remember in Matthew 6:10, Jesus said to pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. So why would we need to pray that God's kingdom would come here on earth, even as it is in heaven. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on in heaven. We get some peeks into heaven once in a while. Pastor Charlie knows what's going on in heaven. We, Jesus said, I want God's will to be done 
on this earth, even as it is being done in heaven. Now, you may not know this, but I think most of you do, that there is more than one kingdom operating here in this earth. There is two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of light, which is God's kingdom, and there is the kingdom of darkness in this world. And uh, 1 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that, uh, okay, here we go. Is that 1 Corinthians 4.4? 4, 4, okay, it must be 2 Corinthians. Sorry. It's just one little line difference. but <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that Satan is the God of this world. Says Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those that believe not. So it's my fault on that. So maybe she'll get it up here in a second. Also in 1 John 5, 19, it says the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Okay, so, so we'll go back to 2 Corinthians 4, 4. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds. So we'll just stop there. I just wanted to make the point that according to the scriptures, Satan is the God of this world. And we know how he got there by deceiving Adam and Eve. And so they gave their authority over to him. So the earth really is under the authority. Look at 1 John 5, 19. Do you not have that one? Did I not put that one down? Well, I should have got more sleep last night. <laughs> I'll look that up. All right, First John. You got your Bibles, everybody? Okay. First John 5, 19. We know positively... That we are of God and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. Now we cannot dispute that. All we have to do is look out in the world and we see what's going on in the world. And what is going on in the world, you know, John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes not but to, for to kill, steal, and to destroy. So anything that steals that kill, kills and destroys is a part of Satan's kingdom. And it's rampant out there. I mean, it's a jungle out there. It's crazy out there. We know sin is, is everywhere. We know sickness is everywhere. We know poverty is everywhere. This is all a part of Satan's kingdom. And Jesus came and when he died on the cross, he took, our, he took everything, he took all of the curse that was under darkness and then he made available to us salvation. What does that mean? We've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So actually, what's going on in the world it's not a part of our kingdom because we're a part of the kingdom of God. And now Jesus said, 
We need to pray that the kingdom of God will be established right here on this earth. Right in the middle of Satan's kingdom. That's our job. So what is the kingdom of God made of? Let's just look and see what Jesus said. Um, let me just find a few scriptures here. Um, Luke 10, 9. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, And heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come close to you. Now, if you think that it is not God's will to heal, then you have not read this scripture. Because he's saying, when the kingdom of God is established, it will get rid of sickness. Heal the sick. Then in uh, Luke eleven twenty, Jesus says this, But if I drive out the demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has already come upon you. Let's look at Matthew 28, uh, excuse me, Matthew 12, 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out the demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expected it. So we know that part of the kingdom of God, establishing the kingdom of God here on this earth, is healing the sick, driving out demons. So let's look at Mark 16, uh, starting in verse 15 in the Passion. This is some other things that uh, the kingdom of God has in it. Uh, yeah. Mark 16, verse 15, Passion. Good. And he said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Stop there just a second. First of all, we're going to see that in the Great Commission, we're not going to take time, that's in Matthew 28, to, to go back into the Great Commission. It's basically kind of the same as this, uh, the rendering of it. First and, and most important is to preach the gospel to the entire race. Now, the gospel means good news. When Jesus came on the scene and he died on the cross, he got rid of everything the devil could do to you and I. He bore it on in his own body. He paid for your sins. He paid for your healing. He paid for your prosperity. We won't take time to go into the scriptures on that, but that's the truth. God took, Jesus took the curse so that we could be blessed. Leave that up there, please. So the gospel is good news. In fact, in one place it says, go preach the gospel to the poor. Well, if you're poor, what would be good news for you? Good news for you is, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's good news. Who would be good news to the sick? God wants you well. 
All things are possible with him, and all things are possible to you if you can just believe. So he, so he said, first of all, openly pre preach the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Okay, now you can go on. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. That's the good news and that's the bad news. Go ahead. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons. Okay, stop right there. Who, these miracle signs, who are they going to follow? Those that have a deliverance ministry? Well, maybe. But that's not what this says. Who believe? They shall drive out demons in the power of my name. It's not based on who you are. The demons will obey you because of the name, the name of Jesus. So they will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in, new, in tongues. Amen? Go ahead. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes. I've seen that happen. And from drink, drinking any poisonous thing. I've experienced that myself. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Go on to verse 19. And saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. Verse 20. And the apostles, they were obedient, went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. So what were they? They were instructed to establish or build God's kingdom here on this earth as it is in heaven. But the interesting thing is, even though this jumps over, that scripture jumps over a little bit of uh, time, because we know that the disciples did not do that immediately because Jesus in Acts, the first chapter, starting uh, in verse 4, says, And while being in their company and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he had said, You have heard me speak, verse 5, For John baptized with water, but not many days from now you shall be baptized with, placed in, introduced into the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. Wait. Did I miss one there? <sighs> Let me go back. Go back to four again. Okay, I just jumped over it. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. And then we go on to verse five where he says it's the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to go to verse eight. Eight. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. Leave that up there. I want you to notice that he didn't tell them to, when the Holy Spirit come, 
you will go out and witness. He didn't say that. He didn't say you're going to go knock on doors. You're going to hand out tracts. He said, you shall be my witnesses. You're going to become a witness whenever the Holy Spirit comes on you. Yeah, you're probably going to do some witnessing, but you're going to become something. And this is kind of the core of this message this morning because In staff meeting, we have been tossing about, what is the vision of Victory Center? Now, I was certain I knew what the vision of Victory Center was. It's embrace, equip, empower. And I kept saying, it's embrace, equip, and empower. They said, no, that's not the vision. And I thought, what? Am I not coming across? And I was getting frustrated because I didn't understand what they were asking me. What is the vision? I thought that was the vision. And so I asked each one of them, do you feel like we have a vision? And every one of them said no. And so I thought, okay, there's got to be more. So I prayed internally, God help me. What is the vision for Victory Center? And as we continue to talk, the Holy Spirit said to me, the vision of Victory Center is to build God's kingdom. So this morning, I want to announce to you what our vision is here at Victory Center. And hopefully, you will hook up with it because that's where we're headed and that's where we're going. Pastor Charlie Many of you, most of you probably said under Pastor Charlie's teaching. Pastor Charlie was a teacher. And he planted the word in us. Over 44 years, he planted the word. We grew. We, we got delivered. We, we grew and we grew. And sometimes we grew fat. We grew because he had built a great foundation. But I, I don't know if you all remember, but um, we laid, you know, we, we had the foundation for our new church uh, laid for quite a while at the first of the year. Uh, towards the end of last year, we had it, had it laid, the foundation, and uh, it just lay there. This foundation just sat there. Do you know, practically the very, Pastor Charlie passed away on January the 1st of this year. Practically on the very day, or just a few days later, the red iron rafters went up in the air. And we began to build on that foundation. I thought back on that, and I thought that was very significant. Because a foundation is not just there to look at and look pretty and to roller skate on. A foundation is to build on. I'm reminded of Haggai and the first chapter of Haggai. You know, uh, Cyrus had, or, had told, had released the captives. He'd released uh, 
50,000 captives to go back to Jerusalem and build, rebuild the temple. So they went back and they built the foundation. They were excited. They were hopeful. They were encouraged. They had a foundation. Hallelujah. And then it laid there for 16 years and they didn't build on it. And the prophet Haggai came on the scene and I, we're not going to take time to read this, but you can read that first chapter. The prophet said to them, do you wonder why you're putting money in your pockets and it's like it has holes in it? Or why there's no rain? Why you gather in a crop and, and there, it, it's practically gone before you can get it brought in? Because you've left the house of the Lord to lay waste. You've built up your own kingdom. You've built up your own houses. But you've left the house of the Lord to lay waste. And he said, he said consider your ways. Listen, this is not good. You need to go up and get some timbers and start building on this foundation. It is time, and then you're going to see prosperity come back in your lives. Amen. So as I read that, I thought, woo. And just in case some of you are here don't know what this running is about, <laughs> I have to explain it because not too many churches have people running around in them. But they get excited. Just like, this is my daughter-in-law, Tricia, and uh, she is an Avalanche fan. I talked about her last week. She's an Avalanche fan, and that's, that's the hockey team of, uh, is it Denver? Colorado's, okay, just all of Colorado. So they have a lot. Anyway, she uh, was at my house when they actually won the Stanley Cup. Do you want to demonstrate what you did that night? Oh, Quentin saying, no, no. I really, you know, I, it, was, it was loud. And she lost her dignity. That's all I can say. But uh, sometimes here in church, the Holy Spirit gets, we get excited. Not every time, but sometimes we do. And uh, so this is what happens. So you don't have to do it, okay? Unless you're an avalanche fan, Okay. But uh, anyway, uh, I just saw the parallel between uh, Pastor Charlie building a foundation and now it's time to build. Now it's time to build on it. And so we'll just wait for a minute till everybody gets set down, okay? <laughs> it is a little distracting. That's okay. No, it's not. It's not. But, but it could be. So, okay, let's go back to Pastor Charlie and the foundation. He has, he has laid the foundation, and he's laid it, he laid it well. I look at you, especially, you know, here this Amanda, she, she grew. She's grown. She keeps growing. She keeps being freer and freer and freer. See, that's what the kingdom of God is. Actually, let me just say this. First of all, if you're going to establish the kingdom of God, it has to be within you. Yes. 
Jesus said, don't look around you for the kingdom of God. The Pharisees said, when is the, spirit of the kingdom of God going to come? And Jesus said, don't look around you. The kingdom of God is within you. The first place that we start building on this foundation is to build in our own lives. We take the word of God and we establish on the inside of us freedom and wholeness and liberty and freedom from the, the sin and, and uh, we get more and more confident in the Lord. And as we grow and as we get to be a whole person, then we're ready to begin to build and spread the kingdom of God around us and become what? Witnesses. You see, you look at what Jesus said to the disciples before he went away. His most, the most important thing to him was get people saved. Get them, to, get them in the kingdom of God. Go out and spread the gospel everywhere. How do you spread the gospel? How do you become a witness? Well, I want to just share some things with you about becoming a witness. Because we're going to build on the foundation that Pastor Charlie laid. We're not going to just take and just eat the Word of God, eat the Word of God, get fat and sassy, and just come and sit on our pews or our blessed assurances. We're going to build God's kingdom in Gaiman and Clayton and to the uttermost parts of the world. We're going to build God's kingdom. And so we're going to quit looking inward and begin to look outward and become somebody else's uh, source of food from the kingdom of God. So when Pastor was going to Ramah and I was working, this was in 1976, 75 and 76, I worked for a company, it's called Cameron Corporation. And um, it was an industrial plant, but I was in the front office. And I, you know, I was so excited about things of God. And so I wanted to be a witness. So let me just tell you how I, be my goal was to witness to every person in that office complex while I was there. So there was quite a few people there. And the old uh, president, he was just like, he, he had, it was a cuss word, almost every other word. And uh, so he was my goal, you know, my ultimate goal. But the first thing that I did, I took a, sh I took a lunch hour at a different time than everybody else. And they had a lunchroom for all of the manufacturer's employees back in the back part. And it had windows all around it. And I would take my lunch time at a different time, and I would go back there, and I would read my Bible every day. And during that time, 
everyone, practically everyone of those in the, in the office would stop in. They'd see me reading the Bible, they'd stop in, and they'd start asking me questions. Or I would hear them say uh, some problem that was going on in their lives, and I would secretly go home and I would pray about it. And then when I'd hear them say, well, you know, that changed, I would say, oh, good, because I prayed about that. Now, you would say, well, I'm not handing out tracts. I'm not knocking on doors, but I am being a witness. First, I pray, and then God began to open the doors. There was, uh, and many times, Pastor Charlie and I, when we would go on vacation, we would pray, Lord, lead us to some people that we can witness to. And invariably, we would run into people we could pray with, people that we could give money to. We would witness because God wants us to be a witness. And so we kind of left a little God trail everywhere we went. That's really what being a witness is. And just recently, uh, when Pastor was in the ICU there at Woodward, um, I... I was down there, staying down there and, and going in to see him every day. And uh, I pulled into the parking lot of the Woodward Hospital. And I, I have to tell you, don't get real close to me when I'm driving because uh, I'm really short. And it's really hard to gauge sometimes. And I was pulling into this parking area and I just barely hit this car. I mean, you could barely tell it. And I thought, well, nobody will know. And lo and behold, there was a woman sitting in the car. She jumped out, and she said, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. We looked, and there was just this little tiny scratch on the back of that car. I didn't look at mine. And she was just, oh, I just don't know what to do. My, my boyfriend is just going to be so angry and so mad. And I said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And I, didn't, I said, what can I do? What can I do to help? What can I do to change things? I don't know. So I said, let me just give you, let me give you some money to uh, get, get the thing fixed. If you can get it. I didn't say this, but I thought, if you can get it fixed without him knowing it, great. But um, <laughs> so, so I got in the car and. And uh, I was planning on giving her a $20 bill. I thought that should be enough. It was a little scratch. But the Lord said, give her a hundred. I, I ran across this $100 bill I had. So I thought, ah, that'll do it. So I took the $100 bill, gave it to her. The minute I gave it to her, it's like everything changed. It's like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I gave her also one of my cards. And, and um, I said, she told me, I told her, you know, why I was there. My husband was in ICU. She was there because her boyfriend was checking to see, uh, to see some tests, whether she, he had cancer or not. And she was distraught. And so I said, let's just pray. And so right there in front of both of those scratched cars, we prayed, and we prayed, I prayed for her, her uh, boyfriend. I don't know what happened after that. I know she was $100 richer, but I do know that I was a witness. I had been a witness. I wouldn't have marked it down and say, today I witnessed. You just become that. 
whenever you're full of the Holy Spirit and whenever God's leading and guiding you. And you know, one of the last things that Pastor Charlie did, it was on the 15th of December, and he was laying there. This was, he was very, very, very ill that day. And it was the last day I got to talk to him, and they put him on that ventilator that night. It was late in the afternoon, and this nurse came in. And she had tattoos all over her arms, and it's a real sweet girl. And pastor was laying there, and he said, are you a Christian? And she said, she took a long time. She, correct, she did vows and that stuff. Then pretty soon she came over, and she said, she leaned over to him, and she said, no, I'm not. Pastor Charlie said, I want you to be. He kept saying, I want you to be. I want you to be. So one of the very last things that Pastor Charlie did was be a witness. That's what God's calling us to do, is to be a witness. That's how we're going to build up the kingdom of God. And that's really what the kingdom of God is all about. Helping people. Helping people. Um, Matthew 24, 14. I want to read this out of both the um, Amplified and the Passion. And this good news of the kingdom, the gospel, will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will, then will come the end. Now, we're all saying, can't wait for the rapture. Can't wait to get to heaven. Can't wait for the end to come. It looks like it's, on, it's getting closer all the time, and yes, it is. And you'll look in Matthew 24, and they said, what is the sign? What is the sign of the end? That the end's almost there. And... Um, Jesus gave all these things, you know, the earthquakes, the wars, and all this stuff. And then he said, but this is the sign. He didn't say it exactly that way. But the sign is the good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. So now let's read it in the, in the Passion. Yet through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world. Listen to this. Providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of this age will arrive. So our mission to uh, our vision, leave that up there. Our vision to build God's kingdom it's not just a slogan. It's a mandate. And let me tell you, leave that up there. If you get the kingdom of God established on the inside of you, when you get that established, you will, you, the love of God will begin to ooze out of you. If you live a lifestyle of love and holiness, the natural outcome will be you will be a witness. 
You're not a witness. If you, you may be born again, but if your lifestyle doesn't back it up, you're not going to be a witness. Your lifestyle must back up what you believe. And that is love, walking in love, and walking in holiness. So, uh, according to the Passion Translation, it says that the sign with providing every nation with a demonstration, a demonstration of the reality of God. If you are not demonstrating that God is real, then you're not being a witness. The world needs to see a real, a real God, a real Jesus, that he is involved in the lives of people. That's what building God's kingdom is. That's our mandate. We've sat here long enough. Let's build on the foundation that Pastor Charlie has so beautifully constructed. And let's carry it to the world. Now I want to end with this scripture. Um, in Matthew 5. I think uh, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read this out of two translations. Amplified and the message. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, its strength, its quality, how can its saltiness be restored? It is not good for anything any longer but to be thrown out and trodden underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. Listen, here's our mandate. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthy noble and good deeds and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the witness. That's how you witness. So let's look at that in the Message Bible, please. So take this to heart. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth as you establish the kingdom of God here on earth even as it is in heaven. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Now I'm not sure where that's at. But I don't want to be there. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be a light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers. You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket do you? I'm putting you on a light stand, a light stand. Now that I've 
Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a lampstand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. Hallelujah. What a mandate that we have. And see, this is the unforced rhythms of grace. God doesn't call you to do something that he doesn't equip you to do. He's already made you the light. Now you just shine. Ask God to show you how. Pray for people. God puts a burden on your heart for someone. Pray for them and watch what God will do. It, you will be amazed at what will happen. Be ready to pray with people. Be ready. Every one of you, be ready to cast out a demon. Hallelujah. They're easy. You just tell them to go and they got to go. In the name of Jesus, I mean, it's easy. So, I've written down, this is what we're going to do as a church. Five points. Be a church that wins souls. Number one. We're going to be a carrier or a part of the end time revival. We're going to be unashamed of the Holy Spirit. We're going to display the anointing of the Messiah to the hurting, healing the brokenhearted, setting the captives free, comfort those that mourn, lift a spirit of heaviness, and bring hope and joy in the lives of those that we associate with. And we're going to build God's kingdom here in our area and wherever our influence reaches. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.